All right, welcome to the Interstate of Music podcast. I'm Jeff Peterson, and I am very, very excited about this podcast because I get to talk to somebody that has done a lot of Broadway, but there's so much more outside of Broadway that she's been, that she's done, that she's experienced, that she's, you know, switched some direction to. And I've never gotten the chance to really talk to anybody that has done that Broadway thing. So welcome to the podcast, Kate Chapman. How are you? Well, hello, Jeff. Thank you for having me. I'm great. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. So I saw, you know, I want to I want to hit on a couple of topics just so as we start the podcast, people kind of get to know you a little bit on the front side. So you went to Boston University. You mm-hmm. you did Broadway. You did Les Miserables. You did um, uh, what else did you do? You did you even did the Rockettes like you were Mrs. Claus for like five seasons or five years. You said, um, what are some of the other Broadway, uh, you know, productions that you've been part of? I was in Mary Poppins for three and a half years, and I like to joke that I played everybody but Mary. (laughs) That's fantastic. So you got you got a little chimney sweeper in you. (laughs) I do, I do. There's actually a video that you can see on YouTube where I am a chimney sweep. That's fantastic. I love that. That that was one of my childhood favorite movies with Dick Van Dyke. Absolutely love Mary Poppins. Totally love it. And, and I have not gotten a chance to see as much on Broadway as I've, as I've wanted to, um, just simply being in Wisconsin and Chicago area and just have never really gotten that chance. I've been out and I've seen a couple, um, I saw Chicago, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the lion King, you know, that, that type of thing. I don't, I don't even want to call those the same as what, uh, Mary Poppins falls into or Miserable, but, but I mean, let's be serious. I absolutely, there is something about being in a theater and having a live production in front on a stage and everything that goes into it, it is absolutely, there's nothing like it. There's nothing better, honestly. It's its really own unique situation. And I think especially now that, you know, it's been a very limited thing to be able to have in the last two years. Yes. Um, I think a lot of us have been reflecting on it more. Like, what is it when you're in the room and you're sharing a collective story together and you're being led through this story by a group of people who are masterful at reading the energy of the room and moving the energy to a place where there is a rise and fall and transcendence with the story and all of those kind of things. And so it is, it is a really fascinating experience to be in the audience, but also to be on the other side and to be part of that group that is helping to lead the audience through their experience. Well, let me ask you a question on that because I, I, I've often wondered, you hear about these uh, these Broadway plays that are just years and years and years and years out there. And what is it like to be doing the same show maybe twice a day and how does that feel? Where do you find the energy after you've been doing it a while to go out there and still bring, you know, that to a person that's watching, it's like, it's the first time you're doing it. Where, where does that come from? And and do you feel that same energy every show because you do play off the crowd? Number one, I carry with me all the time, the understanding that I'm incredibly privileged to do what I do. 
right? There are thousands and thousands of people who would give anything to have the resume that right. I carry. Right. I am so very privileged to have had every single moment. And even at times when I've not been my best uh, emotionally, like I don't want to go to work, I don't want to tell the sure. story, whatever. I've always been able to find that moment when the curtain goes up, I put all of my complainer monkeyness aside yeah. and I engage because it is my privilege to be there. That is goosebump so stuff to me. That's goosebump stuff because honestly, and that that should transfer over to other people in anything that they're doing. I mean, really, if you're in a career that you love and you're doing that, it is our responsibility to pull up into the parking lot and get out of our vehicle and walk into what we've chosen to do and and give it, you know, and give it for the people that are there. It's not just about you, you know, it is the domino effect that you have on others. Um, and uh, that can be a positive or a negative. So I love your outlook on that. And it's, that's powerful because, because that is in Broadway, you look at it and, and you can feel, it can feel so, it can, you could, from the outside looking in, it could look as, as though it's like so repetitive, but it's not when you're in the crowd and you're feeling it for that first time. And I, I love your outlook on that. It's, it's amazing. I love it. It's also, I think what's really interesting is that as, as we are repeating the same story every time, uh, we are not repeating it in the same circumstances. So I feel differently True. every day. My coworkers feel differently every day. We're presented with an audience that has a different energy. Right. We're presented with different weather that took us into the theater and made us feel right. a different way. Right. I'm presented right. with what I had for lunch and how that may or may not, you know, interact with my costume. Um, every day, or or there's a substitute uh, uh, person in the show, and so sure. their take on it is individual because it's theirs, and so you're getting to experience the story being told slightly differently because it's a different person. Or that. you're hearing the orchestra and you're hearing that the first trumpeter isn't your normal first trumpeter. <laughs> and this guy or this girl, you know, has, or this person, I should say, this person has just a, a bit of a different flair that makes you hear that trumpet line in a way that you've not heard it the, you know, 450 times before. And it, you know, so there it, are it, nuances within the story every single time right. that if you play with them and pay attention to them each time while it is that, you know, like your child wants to read Goodnight Moon every day for the first, you know, right. four Great years example. of their life. Great example. It's Great different, example. right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's different. Right. And, and you know, I saw, um, and, and I, I, I kind of equate it to, you know, I've gone to see uh, bands that I've loved and I, I go and I see them multiple times. And so what is the difference? They, they're feeling that same energy on stage from the crowd, um, from a song, songs that they've played over and over and over again. But really when you're in that performance industry, you've chosen to be there because you want to entertain the people that are watching. So it's not just about you. And, and that is a, that is a mentality. That is a mentality that you have to have. It's not just I'm a really good actor or actress or um, I'm a great lead or I've got, you know, a great vocal solo and I nailed that. It's it's more about how that is engaging with the people around you. And I, I think that's what's amazing. Every time I've talked to somebody that is um, that's been strong in theater, there is a specific 
type of person that that absolutely is is just entrenched in it and absolutely it's to the core. So I think so. I mean, because it's a very hard career, right? It's not yeah. it doesn't pay well. <laughs> Let yeah, me just say uh, that from the right, outset. Right. It doesn't pay well. Um, even when you get on Broadway, Broadway is a nice middle class income, but uh, you know, the amount of time, I mean, I've had a great Broadway resume and it's not been the majority of my 32 years in theater. You know, it's maybe been a third of it that I was, and I wouldn't, I don't even know. I would have to look to see if I even have 10 years of Broadway salary to claim. And I don't know that I do. I had five Broadway shows, but, right. uh, you know, most of them ran less than a year or I sure. was in them for less than a year that Mary Poppins was the only one I was there for multiple years. So outside, outside of Broadway and theater, what was the interest? Like, when did you start to grab onto that's Yeah, that's something I want to do. That's a pursuit of mine. That's a passion that I want to go out and explore. Was this was this grade school plays? Was this high school theater? Was this like, when did it start to feel part of you that this is the direction you wanted to go? You know, I've looked at that question a lot because number one, I can't remember ever not singing. Okay. I started singing in the church. I remember singing the first time uh, from the the platform at age three or something. My sister claims I didn't sing so much as play with the prop, but I, I remember singing. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and I did my first show when I was 10. And so from the time that I was 10 until I graduated high school, in the, those seven years, I was just doing show after show after show after show uh, in preparation for this Broadway career, which I just sort of, at 10, somebody said it's a career you could choose and everybody else was choosing things that I didn't think I wanted to do. And so I chose that, you know? I, yeah, no, I love it. So you want, so going to Boston University, are you from the East Coast? No, I'm, I grew up in Ohio. Okay. And uh, I went to Boston University because there was a boy that I liked. I love that. That's fine. He didn't go to Boston University. That was where his dream school was. He didn't get in, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> but, but I did. Um, and I really liked that it was so close to New York City. Yeah. And I liked that it was a city because like growing up in rural Ohio, I was car dependent yeah. and I'm not a person that really loves to be in the car a whole lot. So uh, and I love to walk. And so a city like Boston was just like, oh my gosh, I could walk for miles and miles and miles and miles, right? Right, right. Uh, right which is what right. I did when I went to college. And and I also was advised by a family friend to get my classical training before I go, went to Broadway because classical training provides for a lot of health of singing and so I didn't really want to go to a school that had a musical theater program because I didn't want to be feeling left out of not being in shows. And I wanted to concentrate on very classical training. So my degree is in, is in classical music. So wait a second. So help me understand what you meant by being left out of shows if you went to a theater-based school. Is that because there's just only so many parts to a play? And what do you mean by that? 
When you are in a conservatory program or a degree yep. program for musical theater or classical music, you have to choose one. There's oh. too much to learn to be able to be doing both. And so even though programs may tell you that, oh yeah, you'll have time to perform in the musical. No, you won't. There's too many requirements. Uh, performing arts degrees are really time intensive degrees. Kate, were you a good student outside of your passion points? Yes. You seem you seem like you would have been. You seem so driven in every aspect of what you're doing. I mean, you at a very, you know, at a, a high school age, you had your career kind of planned out and you figured out that path and to go from, you know, rural Ohio to Boston, you had a confidence in you, girl. <laughs> um you know what? I, I wonder what that is because I I think it was more or less, I just had an idea and I was curious about how to make that idea come true. And I would say that that's most of my life. Like I, the things that I've done, they came out of curiosity, not much, really more than drive. You know, I don't think I'm so much a driven person. Um, and in school, I actually wouldn't say I was a good student, I would say I got good grades and I learned what I wanted to learn. And what I didn't want to learn, I found a way to get good grades anyway. I just, I, hey, I was a, I was a BC student and uh, it, it, that, that was it. And, and it was because I didn't apply myself to be anything more than that. It came easy enough and it was good enough. And at that point, you know, I, I cared more about football than I cared about, you know, studying. I mean, that was just kind of the thing. Well, you know, as my niece says, C's get degrees, man. Right? <laughs> I mean, they, they do. And and honestly, it's, you know, I sit back and, and now that I, you know, I own, you know, a company with multiple divisions, I look at the, the people that I actually interview and hire. And I say this all the time, but I hire more, more the person than I do the resume. And, and because I, I do strongly believe that if you're the type of company that just needs a specific skill set and you don't care about the person and they're just going to come in and be a number, you're just going to have a revolving door as a company. Even if you're that style company, you still should be hiring the people behind it because that's what's going to take you to the, to the next level. And I, I think, you know, man, I, I want to have you at every cocktail party that I've, you are the perfect centerpiece of a cocktail. You should start a business, you know, rent Kate Chapman for your cocktail party. <laughs> I, I just think you are, you have such an intrigue about you and you're so, um, you're so authentic about it. Um, I, I think your journey is, is very interesting. I, I read a little bit about you prior to this podcast. I, I see, you know, and on your website, you hit Bono from U2, number one, with a quote. You you do that shit on purpose, don't you? You do. Yeah, because... That, that is a true quote from Bono. Oh, I believe you. I 100% believe you. <laughs> but, I will, but I will be honest. He didn't know who the hell I was when he said it to me. <laughs> hey, hey, that's okay. 
I I want to be in a room where Bono says something to me, and I don't care what he says to me. <laughs> it could be get the hell out of my way. It could be hey, uh, could you get me another drink? Or hey, uh, here's my suitcase. You're the Uber driver, right? I I don't care what he says. I'm a huge Bono and YouTube fan, so I'm not gonna lie. When I saw that, I was like, damn. That's I I want to be able to put anything that has to do with Bono on anything that I have. I'll just wear a t-shirt that just says Bono on it. I'm fine with it. So, no, very, very cool. I also should put on there that uh, Tom Cruise once said I was hot. Stop it. So, hey. And I don't have that one on there, but I should put that on there. Because for a girl that was told she was fat for all of her acting career, uh... to be able to have a quote up there that says, man, it was actually Tom Cruise was, he was going past my husband's work box and my headshot was on my husband's work box. And Tom Cruise said, is that your wife? And, and my husband said, yeah. And he goes, man, your wife is hot. Oh my gosh. I would like, literally you can leave the podcast for seven minutes and go put it on your website. Now that's gold. So here's, here's, what's funny about this. And, and this is going to say a lot of probably not great things about Jeff Peterson. I've already told you that I'll do anything to meet Bono and have him say anything to me. But when we are talking about, um, the, you know, theater, how do you get the energy of, you know, doing the same, you know, story in the same, you know, role night after night. And here I am. I have, I'm telling you right now, I have seen Top Gun no less than 300 times. And, and every time it's better than the one before. And I, it's like, I remember a different line from the movie. I'm just, I, Top Gun and Tom Cruise, man, man, girl, I'm telling you, these are, this, this is, that's your resume, period. Put it up on LinkedIn. Bono said this, Tom Cruise said that, you know, boom, drop the mic. So, right. <laughs> so you were, you were big into, you were, you're big into music. You love to sing. Why didn't you think that that was what you were going to do? Like just, just literally being a musician, like being a vocalist. Okay. So I had the misconception growing up that my choices for musicianship were Christian music, okay. which was good. In sure. the eyes of my community. Sure. Or not as popular back then as Christian music or, is now. Or popular music, which yep. was devil music. Oh. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to do Christian music because nothing against Christian music, but it didn't, it didn't call to me. Right. It didn't, it it didn't make my heart open up and go, wah. Right. Yeah. And I didn't really listen to devil's music a lot because, well, it was devil's music. So I, so, so there weren't any artists there that were, you know, making my heart sing and open because I wasn't listening to the devil. Jeff. Right. Right. Yes. Right. No, I okay. clearly, I can see you did not listen to the devil. Now me, right. on the other hand, I was listening to you too. <laughs> it was all those. I Jeff didn't even Leopard. know who Bono was growing up. I didn't know who Bono was. So the fact that I put a quote from him on my website is really even funnier because I didn't really know his work. It's fantastic. Okay. So musical theater was sort of an interesting juxtaposition whereby I could sing and not be told that what I was singing was harmful. Um, which, by the way, I don't believe that pop music is devil's I know, music, and I have I know. to believe, you know, that the that was a lot of uh, uh, really interesting control tactics that I was being under, you know, put under. But I want you um, to say it at the cocktail party. I want you to. Say it. 
Just as soon as it plays, this is devil music. And see what everybody says. <laughs> Can I tell you one of my favorite things? So, so I like to do lots of different jobs. So with Broadway, you know, in theater, you're not employed all the time, which is how I've gone into doing a lots of different sure. other things. And one of the things that I did is I worked for my husband for a while, who's a sound designer, and I would help him build sound systems for Broadway shows. And so we would be in the shop and in the shop, they always have loud music blaring and it's yep. usually classic rock and roll. So they would have a fun game with me where they would say, hey, Kate, who's this band? Oh, gosh. And I would say, I, I don't know, Led Zeppelin. And they would laugh because it would be like Rush. Right, know. right. So, right. So this had been going on for quite some time. And, and at one point they said, hey, Kate, who's this band? And I said, I, I don't know, Deep Purple, right? Just throwing out a band name right. that I know. And, and my husband said, no, it's Fog Hat. I said, okay, now stop it. That is not a band. You're just messing with me now. You've been telling me these band names all these years. And now you're just making up stuff just to make me look stupid. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. That's and who so, names their band Fog Hat? I just uh, want to hey, say that if we could we could have a three hour <laughs> podcast about stupid band names. <laughs> just like what the heck are you thinking? So so question for you then, like growing up, what did you listen to for music, or did you really not? Did you just listen to Christian music? If it wasn't touching you, I listened to musical theater. Musical theater was a love of my mother's. And so my mother introduced me to it very early on. And Sound of Music was the first musical oh, I was in when yeah. I was 10. Yep. And to be able to be able to take my voice and go, oh, was just like heaven to me. It was yeah. just, it felt like the best thing in the world. And then the next show that I did was uh, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, and I played Lucy, and I got to be a complete and utter brat, <laughs> yeah. and that was so fun. I got to boss everybody around, and everybody had to do what I said, and what could be better than that? <laughs> Not, nothing. Nothing's better. And then the third show I did was Alice in Wonderland, and I played Alice, and I got to have a mushroom trip, essentially. So again, what could be better than that? These are these are all things that need to be on your website, front and center. <laughs> I went on a mushroom trip as Alice. I mean, all of these things. These are it's clickbait. You know, you know what the society is all about nowadays. It's clickbait. Jeff, I need you, man. I need you. <laughs> You're like sensei, teach me. I don't know these things. <laughs> this is so fun. So, all right. So here's the thing though, about the type of music you were listening to, you were having to pull out an album and put it, put it on a turntable because what radio station was playing that? Well, turns out I had a good friend that I met very early on in my life, a man named Jim Kale and Jim shout out to you. Cause I love you, man. Still. Um, he had a musical theater library of over 200 vinyl pieces of oh, musical theater awesome. joy. Yep. And he would let me borrow them by the stack. And so I would take a stack of records from Jim's house and he would t tell me which ones had roles in, in them that I should sing those roles. And he directed and acted in the community theater productions in my hometown and his wife, Lynn Talbot Kale, was my ballet teacher. And those two people just really gave me 
a, a, a place to be educated about this world that I thought that I should make my living in. I think that's amazing because when you, when you sit there and you kind of break down how you got to where you are and why you went this direction or that direction, it really does come all the way down to, you know, somebody saying that that's devil music, Christian music, really, you know, not being something you want to listen to all the time, but you were singing it in the church or the community and all that kind of stuff. But then having this one connection into theater music at such a young age and, and wanting to sing Wow, it, that just that portion of your life really had so much to do with who you are today. Absolutely, and I will ratchet it back even just a little bit further. There was a man named James Lee Austin and his wife, Marty Austin, and they had lived in New York City and performed off-Broadway. And Jimmy Lee was the head of the musical, he was the, the head of the theater department at Heidelberg University, which was in my hometown. And Jimmy Lee decided that he wanted to have summer theater. And so that was who I did Alice in Wonderland with. And he introduced me to Sondheim when I was 15. You know, like he introduced me to um, theater on a, on a really unbelievably like applicable level. And then through Jimmy Lee, I met James Kale. And, and so he was really like the start of it. And, and forever, I, he came to see me do Mrs. Claus. He and Marty came to see me do Mrs. Claus. And it was the towards the end of his life. And it was one of the best moments I've ever had because he was, makes me tear up. Oh. He was so proud of me. And I was so grateful to the two of them because they let me know that somebody from a small town could go to New, New York City and do something. Well, I, that, those are the stories. Those are the moments in time to be able to look back. And, and as crazy as it is, even the people that don't think that they have those little moments in time, they do. They just have to keep digging. Everybody has those people. Everybody has those mentors. Even when they weren't looking at them as mentors in the time, they were just looking at them as people that were there that gave me the stack of records. But when you look back on it and, and it's those moments when they do see you later on in your career or your life, when all of a sudden all the dots get connected that you're like, oh my gosh, that person meant so much to me early on because that person means so much to me right now. You know, and, and it's, and it's, those are those magical moments that, you know, I hope everybody gets a chance to just have those mini realizations throughout their, throughout their life. And it, that is the plus of, of spinning past the 50, 50 number in age is, is some of that stuff starts to actually connect a little bit more versus just being a, you know, a shingle shot or a colonoscopy. Um, so, so outside of theater, so there, it says, you know, you're a teacher, author, coach tell me a little bit about like where did that kind of find itself in in, in your career and in your passion what you wanted to do okay so i think i was i was raised by a teacher and and i my undergraduate degree was uh music education with a, oh, cool. a double in classical music um classical voice and so i was educated as an educator and yep. so uh i've i've done a lot of that and i really like um, being a teacher that can inspire somebody that's having a hard time in that environment. Cause I had some of those teachers, Miss Pennington, Mrs. Olson shouts out to you. So, um, you know, I had some of those people that helped me get, you know, to a place of excitement. And so I like to be that, um, author, uh, I, 
I used to write little stories as a kid. And I would say, actually, my true essence isn't really as a stage performer. It's really as a writer. Uh, I like to just sit in my little hidey hole for months on end and write stories and edit stories and craft stories. And uh, on stage, I'm actually quite anxious. I have um, what's called hyperhidrosis, which makes me sweat from head to toe in very uncomfortable ways. It causes pain as well. And so I, I endure that on stage. I don't know why sometimes because it's not actually very pleasant. I don't uh, know. It's a weird right. thing that I do. Right. And then the coaching thing came from the fact that when I, I changed my type during my career, I was a character woman and then I lost a hundred pounds and that made me a leading lady. And so in, and I also turned 40, which is a crime in theater. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> it's a crime in entertainment for women. It's, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. I, I mean, that, that's the other thing when you hit, you know, older, you can look back and just kind of see these, the way things have been and you just. You, all you can do is shake your head and just go, what, who are these people that make these rules and these, because if, if you look out to the audience in the crowd, they're the whole mix of it all. And that's, those people are just, they don't care who's up on stage doing it. They just want that person to give it their all. It's, right. uh, it's, but it's the good news thing. was, so I, so I, all of that happened kind of at once and I, my career stopped. I'd had this career that was going fine and then suddenly being very thin and being 40, there just weren't jobs for me. And so I went back to school and I got my health coaching training and then I got my master's in holistic medicine and then I got my life coaching training. And I just found out that I really loved helping people figure out how to feel better and how to get to their dreams and how to figure out what their steps are and the great thing about coaching is that really what I do is I just teach people, I always say I teach a man to fish because I teach people to just be able to do it without me. Like we, we yeah. go through about six months together and I teach you a lot of really great techniques and then you go and you use them. And then you might come back at some point and we'll learn some more techniques. As I continue to learn more techniques, I continue to educate myself always. Um, and so I really love to educate myself and I love, love to what learn, share what I've learned with other people, if it helps them to feel better. And I like to help people feel better, which is why I think I was a performer in the first place. Cause going to a show usually makes you feel better. Right. Um, and so or at, le at least like it just makes you feel, you know, sometimes you there just, you, you just need to feel, and it doesn't have to be always feel good, but you've got to just let yourself feel. Well, and I'm careful about my choice. It's not feel good. It's feel better. Sure. Because yeah. I think after you have a cry, you feel better. Yeah. You may not feel good, but you do feel better, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I look at those things in my life that have helped me to feel better, and I share those. And I, I help support people in finding their own list of things that help them feel better. And I've just created this really great, unbelievable community of people all around the world that I never would have met being an actress. Um, and so it's, it seems like at this, you know, 51 years in my life, finally, all the little pieces of my puzzle have kind of come together to come to this picture for myself of all of these things that I really love to do. I really love to tell stories, whether it's writing or on stage. I really love to make music. And uh, that's not just a musical theater. I'm also a professional gospel singer. 
Nice. Um, and that's not about church. It's a, it's a non-denominational choir that's all about diversity and inclusion. And Billy Porter was one of our founding members. And I've sung wow. with Billy Porter for years, you know, so that's the kind of amazing people that I've been yeah. able to surround myself with for the past 25 years. Um, and then the coaching thing for that to be part of my life for the last 10 years has just been really fun to just support people to, to get out of tough situations. And so then I've left the world a little bit better than I found it, right? Here was a person right. in a tough situation. I had something that could help. I did. They're better. You know? I, yeah, I love that. And I'm, I'm going to let you in on a little secret why I even do this podcast at all. It's my uh, way of uh, cheating through life of not having to, you know, go and, and uh, sit down in some hotel lobby bar and just start talking to people and, and try to meet people. The, I love meeting people and hearing different stories. And this is, this is such a, all about Jeff Peterson opportunity to get people from all over the, all over the world, all over the country with so many different stories. And I, by doing this podcast, I just get a chance to ask all these questions, get to know people. And then hopefully after this, it just turns into somebody that now I know. And it's, it's just, it's why I, I wanted to do this podcast. I'm, I'm passionate about the music industry, musicians, artists of all kinds. And uh, I'm just trying to use this as kind of that conduit to, to just get to know people a little bit better and have their stories kind of be shared. Because honestly, most people don't just go out there and talk about themselves. It's got to be pulled out of them. Um, and there's so much about uh, you that I'm so glad that you shared with, with me on this podcast. And I want to finish it with this. You talk about, you know, wanting to curl up and write stories. Uh, what, what are you, what would you write for the next 15 years of Kate Chapman? What's that story look like to you? And uh, it doesn't have to be precise, but what, what would you write? It can be, it can be, you know, a, whatever kind of story you want it to be. So I have some things in progress. And so I'm going to talk about them because I want them to get finished mm -hmm. and it may take me 10 years to finish them. I have a musical that I'm collaborating on that I love so much and it's called The Rooms. And I just, it is, it is one of my favorite things that I've ever been writing. And every time I think that um, I'm just about there, something kind of opens up and it, it becomes fuller. And I've done, I've done hundreds of musicals myself. And so to actually pen one myself seems like decadence beyond decadence yeah. to give myself that. So that's number one. Number two, I was a caregiver for my uncle for a year and a half, and he was a fascinating man. And being a caregiver was a fascinating experience. And so I've written what I like to call a shitty first draft of a novel, which may turn into a memoir. I don't know, uh, but I want to write about that experience in a way that people will want to read it. And it's not there yet, but what, what about, what about, so what about something like that being just you in a small theater it, it, as a one person kind of play type of a thing, telling that story that would be so powerful, especially coming from a person like you. I love that idea. I, I mean, again, that's like, that would be so decadent to give myself the all and only myself the microphone, right? You know, it's really interesting, even in writing my musical uh, I'm, I'm Lin-Manuel Mirandaing myself and I'm writing the lead role for myself because nobody's ever written a lead role for me that feels like it does what I, hey, you what know, I you know, do. you, you know, you, right. Yeah. And so, but, but in act one, I don't say a word. 
Yeah, you got to get well. You, you're, you're too busy sweating. Work. You're going to be too busy sweating. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then the third thing that I wanted that I've been piecing around with, and I don't have an inroad yet for how I'm going to write it though, is I want to write about the lessons that I learned from being an actress. And the thing about being an actress is that in theater is that every time you go into a new setting, you're entering into a brand new family. <laughs> My cat's. Hey, cats. <laughs> She's like, out. Okay. And so, and so every time you enter into a brand new family, you get to learn a lot about yourself and how you behave in a society uh, yep. and, and the things which you need to kind of keep working on for yourself. And we all have things that we can work on till the day we die. Yep. And so I have had a lot of people tell me a lot of things about myself that I think if you're a normal person and you work in a normal office, people just tolerate you. They go about their way. <laughs> right. They they just don't talk to you like you're the, they're, you're, the you're that guy or whatever. Yep. But when you're in a show with people, it's very intimate. Yeah. And and a lot of times the boundaries that you would respect in other areas, you're not able to for a number of reasons. Sure. Or you just don't want to because you're sick of it, you know? Because yeah, yeah. it is a family situation. Right. And so uh, I'm gonna let I'm gonna walk it over here and let her out. And so it's an interesting thing to be constantly um looking at yourself through the lens of people that say, hey, be better. Yeah. Well it's uh I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this. I mean, this has been such a blast for me to get to know you and, you know, get to hear your story and, and your career and how it got to where it is. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast and giving me a chance to just, you know, say, Hey, and get to know you. Thank you so much, Jeff. I have enjoyed this much. And this is why I do podcasts too, because since COVID, I've been out in the middle of nowhere uh, all yeah. by myself, and I miss chatting with people like I used to in New York City all the time. And so this allows me to really do that. And um, I don't know where you are in Wisconsin, but I think you should go to Fort Atkinson, which is the home of the Dairy Shrine. Yep, absolutely. Been there. <laughs> I, I worked at the Fireside <laughs> Dinner Theater for a couple of times. Oh, the Fireside is amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, I did that I did two shows there. So I was in, in Fort Atkinson for six months of my life. That's outstanding. Well, thank you so much for being part of the Interstate of Music podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Kate Chapman, thank you so much. And hey, we're gonna we're gonna stay, we're gonna stay in contact. This is this is a real thing. And you are going to come to every cocktail party. And I don't even plan cocktail parties, but now I'm gonna start planning cocktail parties and you're coming. Bring bring everybody. Bring Bono. I love it. Bring Bono. I love it. I'll bring Bono. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kate. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. All right, bye-bye.